0: Welcome to the Point of Impact Podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now here's Rick. Well, Welcome to the Point of Impact Podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel. It's great to have you joining us again. If this is your first time, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, that's great. And if you're listening on Apple or One Place or Simplecast or iHeartRadio, however it is, really glad that you're joining in. And today, we're going to start looking at a new series of episodes that uh, come out of the book that I just uh, got published called You Got Style How Discovering Your Personal Style Impacts Your Faith and Your Family, Your Finances, and Much More. And part of that much more is Thinking Styles. And that is where we are going to uh, focus on today, just give you a little taste of what the Thinking Styles is all about certainly encourage you to get my book you can get it on rickmcdaniel.com signed copy yeah, shipping's included in that or you can go to barnes and noble or amazon or wherever books are sold and you can get the book there uh, i'd love to send you a signed copy so that would be my preferred way go to rickmcdaniel.com and get a signed copy and that'll be a a neat thing for you and as a podcast listener i think uh special and i'd like to have you have that opportunity so we're gonna to talk today about thinking styles and we're gonna blow up the urban myth of right brain, left brain. So how about if we just start with that? So I'm sure you've heard it. You know, the human brain's divided into two hemispheres. The left is the logical half, the right is the creative half. The left is the center of linguistic expression. It's where logic and language and analysis originate. And then the right brain is the visual or the spatial. It's where creativity, intuition, and imagination come from. And this is really the popular understanding. Uh, this is what people think when they think about how our brains work. But it turns out that Dr. Stephen Koslin, who for over 30 years was a cognitive neuroscientist and professor of psychology at Harvard University, says, uh, no, the differences between the right and left sides of the brain are, are far more nuanced It's overly simplistic to make a dichotomy, and that it really doesn't correctly explain that the way the brain even works at all. So that's fascinating, isn't it? He says, when you examine the broad parts of the brain, smaller areas get grouped together, but as the specific region we look at gets larger, the smaller areas being grouped together become more diverse. No single characteristics unites all the small specialized areas of the brain. The small areas may not have a single function or functions in common. A large region of the brain is more like a rope than a wire, consisting of small overlapping strands rather than a single continuous strand. It's really better to think of the brain in terms of systems rather than simple dichotomies. So how about, how's that? Now, I don't know that we have time today to explain where this whole theory came from, but I'll tell you what: if you get my book, you can you can read all about it there. What I can say is that there is a, a clear, you know, there's a clear history of how it happened, and uh, you know that uh, a Nobel Prize was awarded would certainly seem to give uh, rise to the legitimacy of it. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that. Uh, Overarching distinctions are not based on solid science. The cultural view of how the brain works is simply not correct. For instance, the left brain is described as verbal and the right brain as perceptual, but both hemispheres play critical roles in extracting meaning out of language. Neuroimaging studies have shown conclusively that many aspects of language processing are appropriated over both hemispheres. Hmm... Both halves of the brain play important roles in analytical and critical thinking, in logical and intuitive thought. So, why then does this incorrect understanding continue? And it's been around for, what, 50 years? And certainly things like videos that are on YouTube, The Spinning Dancer, and Daniel Pink talking about it, Oprah Winfrey, and of course, as I said, the prestige of a Nobel Prize – will uh, you know make it pretty uh, attractive. But there is a, a, a way to understand the brain that's actually better. And Dr. Kostlin argues that the functioning of the brain requires a different anatomical division, the bottom and top part of the brain, as opposed to right and left. It's actually top and bottom. And that's why he wrote a book called Top Brain, Bottom Brain. He, he calls his theory the theory of cognitive modes and this was developed over years of research on the brain. The research revealed that the top brain uses information about our environment in concert with other information such as emotional reactions or the need for food or drink to determine which goals we should attempt to achieve. The top brain formulates a plan and creates expectations about what will happen, what will happen when that plan is executed. As your plan develops, it compares what is happening with what is expected and adjusts your plan accordingly. The bottom brain clarifies the signals from your senses, comparing the information you perceive with all the information stored in your memory. It then uses the outcomes of the comparisons to classify and interpret the object or event giving us meaning in life. So top brain, bottom brain comes from the field of neuropsychology which is the study of higher cognitive functioning, thoughts, hopes, desires, wishes, other aspects of your mental life. Higher cognitive functioning is seated in the cerebral cortex, the outer layer of the brain consisting of four lobes. If you view the brain from the side, you see there is a top and bottom part divided mostly by the sylvian fissure. The top brain compares the entire periatal lobe and the larger portion of the frontal lobe. The bottom brain comprises the smaller portion of the frontal lobe and all the optical and temporal lobes. Now, this theory provides a new way of understanding how we think and identifies what Kosselin calls four cognitive modes. And so what I did in my book was say, I'm going to refer to these cognitive modes as thinking styles. And by knowing what your thinking style is, you can better understand your actions and your behaviors and those of others who relate to you in various ways. The key is really to understand that although the top and the bottom brain always work together and are both used constantly in our waking hours, you do not rely on them to an equal degree except for a specific situation like a train is coming right at you that requires a specific reaction. You can use either system in optional ways. You can use the top brain to create a simple plan, or you have the option to use it to create a complex plan. Each of us are different in how we rely on the two parts of the brain for functioning. Some of us rely on both parts. Some rely heavily on the top, but not the bottom. Some rely heavily on the bottom, but not the top, and some don't rely heavily on either part. These different ways your brain may work defines your thinking style how you approach the world and interact with people. And each of us has a unique thinking style. Now, it is important for me to to clarify something, and that is in regards to thinking styles. This is not, not related to your innate intelligence. The intelligence is defined by how easily and quickly you can understand complex material and solve difficult problems. Thinking styles are about how you interact with people and approach situations you encounter. Your distinct thinking style does not determine whether you will have good or bad mental health. It does not make you more or less prone to depression or anger or worry. And although you have a dominant thinking style, you may adopt another style in a particular context. You do have a predominant thinking style that you're most comfortable using that guides how you behave and approach life. You didn't choose this thinking style. It's most likely the result of your genetic makeup and your experience. How the top brain and bottom brain systems interact produces one of four thinking styles. So let's sp- spend some time just talking about these different thinking styles. And again, it's not about an innate intelligence. This is just about how your brain works for you and see which one of these you know, resonates with you. The first is called the, the mover style. This is a result of having both your top and bottom brain systems highly utilized in optional ways. When you think in this style, you implement plans using your top brain and you register the consequences of doing so using your bottom brain, adjusting your plans based on the feedback you receive. People who have the mover style tend to be leaders. They might lead a church or or a nonprofit. They may be an executive at a company or the president of a school. If you have this thinking style, you'll be very comfortable in positions or situations where you can make a plan, take action, and observe the results of it. You're constantly looking ahead and considering what plans need to be made. You are a uh, strategic visionary. Things like one, three, five-year plans are simply the way you think, but it's not just the planning. It's putting those plans into action that characterizes your life, and if the plan falters or fails, you'll be the first one to think about what went wrong and how you can do it better in the future. Make sense? This style has some clear benefits. You're often in a place where you control your own destiny when you show your plans and actions, and how they succeed, people will look at you as a leader and they'll want to follow. If you don't perform, possibly because of a lack of experience, you can end up offending other people or letting them down. And though you likely will accept the feedback and adjust accordingly, this style does require a lot of energy. Envisioning, planning, acting, modifying are all a a great amount of work. But If this is your thinking style, you're not typically easily discouraged. People like uh, Oprah Winfrey, who overcame a very difficult childhood to build a huge television and publishing empire, would have this thinking style. President Franklin Roosevelt, who led the U.S. out of the Depression, the Great Depression during World War II, not to mention dealt with uh, incredible physical challenges. Michael Bloomberg created the company that really revolutionized how financial information is delivered and went on to be the mayor of New York City, not once but twice, even as a Republican. You know, these, these sorts of people have this kind of thinking style. Orville and Wilbur Wright, who endured many, many failures in attempting to build the first airplane, they they have this sort of thinking style. They were able to adjust to the feedback they received, and they finally ended up doing exactly what they set out to do and, and change the world in the process. I mean, just think about what the world would be like today if, if you didn't have air travel. It simply wouldn't be possible. So, you know, these, these, the people that have this kind of thinking style, they are movers. Yes, you know, like movers and shakers. I mean, they make things happen. People who have this style are really the sorts of people that get stuff done and big stuff, not just, you know, just little stuff, but big stuff. I mean, they really, really, really are able because of the way their brain thinks they're able to, to have a vision. They're able to put that vision into a plan. You know, there are people that have visions and dreams, but they're never able to put them into plans. These folks are able to do that this is the thinking style that I have because I, 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 you know, 26 plus years ago, I started a church from scratch, just nothing but a vision of contemporary church, of which there was no such thing. It didn't even exist in Central Virginia where I was where I was starting the church. Everything was traditional. There wasn't anything that was contemporary, and so it took a vision, but then it took a clear plan, and then it had to respond to failures and things that didn't work. And it took uh, a lot of this sort of thinking style to make it successful. But if you have this thinking style, then you're able to do it. And if you have this thinking style, you you should certainly use it in a way that is beneficial for people, that you can be a very effective and successful leader and help a lot of folks in the process. Okay, here's the second style, the perceiver style. In this thinking style, the bottom brain is highly utilized, but the top brain is not. When you think like a perceiver, you use your bottom brain system to try and make sense of what you perceive, interpreting your experiences, placing them in a context, and attempting to understand the implications. You may use your top brain to create a narrative that makes sense of what the bottom brain registers, but you don't use your top brain to generate a complex, detailed plan. In other words, the top brain is essentially used in service to the bottom brain. People who have the perceiver style are usually librarians, novelists, and pastors of smaller churches who generally are not in the, the, the limelight, you might say. Individuals with this thinking style play a vital role in groups by providing a a. a big picture perspective and, and helping to make sense of events. In the business world, they are key members of a team, providing input and wisdom. A perceiver is a good listener and will wait until she has something valuable to share and then will speak up. Because this style results in deeper understanding, she's often worth listening to for counsel. Perceivers are sensitive in terms of observing, they're good for advising and evaluating. They don't take bold actions or create dramatic results. They they also don't really seek credit for their input and wisdom. Perceivers are generally in the background, occupying the more quieter parts of life, you might say. Now, you can see the value of people like this. We all need advisors. I just tweeted this today about making decisions, you know, finding a team of advisors. We need people who can give us wise counsel when we're making decisions. We need people who can situationally counsel us, you know, about a a particular situation. And and people who have the perceiver thinking style are are folks that are going to be very valuable to you because the way that they're able to use the bottom part of their brain and be able to perceive things and evaluate is really 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 helpful and if you'll ask for their counsel and advice you will you will benefit from it now this thinking style has some distinct advantages for one you know if you're a perceiver you don't carry the responsibility of leadership And you have the luxury of stepping back and looking at the big picture. You know, this is really valuable. Again, from somebody like myself who sits in the leadership chair, it's it's a tough place to be. And when you don't carry the burden of leadership, then it does allow you to look at things differently. You can take more time to understand a situation. And then, because of all this, people will recognize that you have wisdom and they'll, they'll seek you out for advice. So you can live with less pressure to perform. You can seek out experience. You can seek out knowledge. You can even at times live in the moment. You won't run into trouble that leaders do if they don't have the wisdom or experience. Now you can spend too much time in reflection and kind of get lost in your own thoughts, and and what's, what's not good about that is that this then may lead you to be too passive, and not contribute as much as you should, and you need to really need to hear that if you have the perceiver style, that you're, you know, you're, you're too passive, and you have information to share wisdom, insights, and you need to share them, a good example of someone with this style, thinking style, is the novelist Emily Dickinson. She was a conscientious student, briefly attended college, but then she came home. And she had no real ambition and essentially wrote poems because she wanted to write them. In fact, fewer than a dozen of the 1,800 poems she wrote were ever published. And by the way, she, she grew up and lived just down the road from where my wife grew up in Massachusetts. She did have to care for her sick mother. So that that was a responsibility for sure. But her time was really her own. So she didn't really create any plans. She didn't adjust her plans (laughs) based on feedback. She loved the garden. She liked to observe nature. And maybe not surprisingly, she wrote poems about the brain But her poetry is read to this day. She's considered one of the most significant of all American poets. She had the luxury to do that. Not everyone does in terms of you know supporting themselves financially. But again, she was doing something, and that was she was writing poems. It's just remarkably, you know, less than a dozen of the eighteen hundred she wrote ever got published in her lifetime. It's kind of amazing. So maybe you have the perceiver thinking style. The third thinking style is the stimulator thinking style. This style is when your top brain system is highly utilized, but the bottom brain system is not. The stimulator often creates and delivers very detailed plans, but then fails to consistently and correctly recognize the consequences of acting on those plans. In other words, you don't update or change your plan when feedback and events require you to do so. You may be original and creative, able to think outside the box, even when others have an established way of approaching something, situation, circumstance, event, but you may not realize when you've reached a point where your actions are disruptive and you may not correct your behavior. In other words, you can be a great team player and even provide leadership, but you should not only be a leader, But you have to be a successful leader. You operate best when others can help you adjust your plan as circumstances dictate. So you really shouldn't be the only leader. You should be a leader and be able to take feedback. If this is your thinking style, you you may throw out a lot of ideas with a certain degree of abandon. Some may be good and stick, others will not. If the good ideas don't succeed, it's because you did not properly fine-tune the plan as you receive feedback, or you weren't open to receiving the feedback. Now, this style does have some clear advantages. You can create new plans and stick with them and generate some really creative ideas that, that can become reality. Steve Jobs is a perfect example of this. The impact of his thinking style on Apple and the subsequent impact of Apple products on our culture is enormous. If you're good like Jobs was, people may come to you as a source for creative ideas and you certainly have a degree of freedom and not being stressed by the small stuff happening around you. And, you know, we've got to have people like Steve Jobs and people who have the stimulator thinking style for sure. The downside is that you can come on too strong, and end up offending people. When you don't alter your plan in response to circumstances, it, it can create some real problems. Especially when it turns out to not be appropriate or helpful. And then that can be frustrating f- for you as well. You can have a good plan and be blindsided by the, the, the results, leaving you feeling unappreciated or misunderstood. There are many examples of this thinking style in, in politics, all the way from someone like Sarah Palin to the activist Abby Hoffman in terms of different sides of the political spectrum, who both responded poorly when their, some of their plans went off track. And maybe the best example is Tiger Woods. He clearly uses his top brain and has accomplished as much as anyone ever has in the game of golf. But he does not respond well to the consequences of carrying out his plans in his personal life. He did not allow his inner circle, his caddy, his agent, his coach, to know what was really going on in his personal life so that they could help him correct his behavior. And so even though he was an enormous success, and still is an enormous, I've written on him, as you may or may not know, I've written several articles about him over the years on his his two different comebacks, and most recently when he won the Masters earlier this year, I I really, uh, he's a phenomenal example of how to have a comeback, but he's also an example of someone who did not get the feedback and received the feedback that he needed so that even though he was professionally uber successful, his personal life ended up causing him a lot, a lot, a lot of pain and heartache. All right, here's one more style, the adapter style. With the adapter style, neither the top nor the bottom brain is highly utilized. When you have this style, you generally do not initiate plans or focus on interpreting and classifying what you experience. You are simply absorbed by the specific events, those specific events or immediate conditions of your situation. You are action-oriented and responsive. You tend to go the flow and and be seen by others as fun and free-spirited. Because you can easily embrace the plans of others, you can be a valuable team member. In business, you may form the backbone of the company, carrying out essential operations. In a church, adapters are often volunteers to serve in many vital ministries. You may not formulate a strategy or even contribute much during the planning stage, but once the plan's in place... You will embrace your role and work hard to carry out your assignment. But if the plan doesn't work out too well, you won't make much of an effort to figure out why and try to fix the problem since you already performed your role. This is really helpful because all of us know people like this. This may be you, but again, in my leadership role, you know, you'll come across, you know, situations where things aren't working. And these are great volunteers, say in the nonprofit, and then they don't make any effort to really figure out why or or try to solve the problem. It's like, how are we allowing this to continue and go on? And this is the answer. Here's the the big insight because of the thinking style. This kind of thinking style, you know, you, you don't live in the limelight since you don't devise or carry out complex plans. And you don't try to understand or interpret circumstances around you in any, to any great degree. So you can be easily pushed or pulled uh, by events or circumstances, but you do provide an essential infrastructure for your organization, allowing work to get done. You're easy to be with. You don't stress a lot about the past, You're not too worried about the future. You're just, you just know, are a fun person to be around. your thinking style you know has these advantages when you relax you can really relax you're not obsessing over the past or fearful about the future i mean when you go on vacation you know you can really enjoy your vacation you're not you're not thinking about work you're not checking emails you know you're just in the moment and enjoying it because you're easy to get along with and you don't have to push a, a particular agenda people enjoy being in your company But you may have some trouble experiencing a lack of control over events in your life. In other words, without clear direction, you can be buffeted to and fro, say, by the waves of life. In other words, you can be influenced and maybe negatively influenced. Alex Rodriguez, the the former ball player, is a good example of this. When he signed with the Yankees, he agreed to switch positions from shortstop to third base to accommodate Derek Jeter, showing how easy he was to get along with. But he publicly partied and you know fooled around, and ultimately it cost him his marriage. And then there was his use of steroids, and that you know really affected his legacy. And he was a phenomenal player. Elizabeth Taylor, the the actress, former you know. Deceased now is another example. Incredible talent, beautiful, beautiful woman, fun to be around. She had great career success, but her personal life was a disaster. She married one wrong man after another, suggesting that she had difficulty making the right plans and understanding how her experiences should then, the feedback then, should lead to better choices. So you can see in all these thinking styles, you know, the classic strengths and weaknesses of them all. The key is understanding, you know, how your thinking style impacts your life, how the top brain and the bottom brain function, certainly identifying your thinking style and say those of others, like how helpful is it then to understand, say your spouse's thinking style or your coworkers or your children, if you have kids. It's not that one style is better than the other. Each is useful in different circumstances and each contributes something positive. Absolutely. But it's important to understand, again, yourself and others better, which is what my book is all about. That is the number one goal of You Got Style is to help you to understand yourself and others better. And then that should naturally lead to a very positive outcome in your life in all kinds of areas of your life. So I hope you'll pick up the book and get it and i'd love to sign one for you if you want to get one from rickmcdaniel.com and we're going to continue spending the next several episodes talking about some more of the styles Uh, next week we'll talk about financial styles because that is really really fascinating and interesting so i look forward to you joining me next week you've been listening to the point of impact podcast with rick mcdaniel thanks for tuning in and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode